Hey guys, it's Justin Hill here. Strap on your high heels and put on your pads because we're going drag racing. Ah, crap. She's bottomed out, guys. Play the music. Welcome to Sand Original RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under the Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Hill, and this is the podcast where we recap every episode of the biggest TV show in the world, the Stan Original series, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. Now, today I'm going to be recapping episode five of the show, and who better to help me out than the one and only, etc., etc. Oh, it is... The glamour bug, high supreme herself, here she is, etc., etc. How are you, my love? Oh, I'm just, I'm a full cup of tea and I'm just waiting to be drunk by you, Justin. <laughs> I'm feeling so good. How are you? I am so good. And I feel like it was literally just yesterday that you and I were chatting on another podcast. I mean, it just, you know, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under was just a glimmer in your eye back then, right? Oh, it was, it was honestly, it was, it was a far away, far away car speeding along the horizon, full of, <laughs> full of a bunch of deranged crossdressers who would make my life <laughs> hell. And I was just, I was looking at it and I was like, there is a possibility that I'll yeah. be on drag race one day, but none of us knew. And no. then it happened. I know. You literally just like stuck your thumb out and you were like, eh, we'll see how it goes. <laughs> I was like, can I get a ride? Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you'll regret it, but sure, go yeah, for it. Sure. Come on. Uh, <laughs> now you have been an absolute, I oh, just... I am so proud of you. Like I just, you know, the pride just fills me up inside with you, with your non-binary finery on the show. You have been such a a great role model. And, you know, uh, today we are going to get into recapping the episode. But first of all, I think I have to say to you, like, you must be so proud of yourself to be, um, you know, a non-binary person on mainstream TV, educating people across the world, not just on who you are as a person, but what it means to be an Aussie drag queen, right? Absolutely. And I think the most important thing is that, yes, we, we, we've seen non-binary people on TV. We've seen, you know, we've seen Bimini, we've seen Ginny Lemon, we've seen, you know, Shea Coulee and Bob the Drag Queen. We've seen uh, amazing non-binary people represent on TV. But in Australia, I think it's, it's I think it's so important. Australia yeah. has such a toxic gender culture yeah. where, you know, men are seen as strong if they act a certain way and women are mm-hmm. seen as beautiful if they act a certain way. And I just wanted to go on TV and show show the world that, you know, a non-binary person can be strong and beautiful and whatever the f*** they want. Yes. Of course, at the end of the day, gender is literally something that if we want to, we can tear it apart and repurpose mm-hmm. it to use in our own lives however we see fit. And I want people to know that non-binary people can look like whatever, yep. that, you know, women and men can look like whatever. And, and being on TV and being able to say that and actually, you know, for it to make the edit and for people to see it and people to yeah. respond to it and for it to generate conversation. I, I was so happy. I was so glad that, that that was able to come to the forefront of the conversation and, um, and, and I was able to tell my story like that. And I loved the reaction from the girls. And I said this last week with Anita Wiglet. I was like, and I don't mean this in a negative way, but I loved how they were like, no problem. Cool. Like if you go oh. by they, them, all good. Like, do you know what I mean? Like it was just so refreshing that there was no like, huh? There was no like, what do you mean? But you were able to be um, given a platform to talk about it. But in the, the audience that you were talking to directly in front of you were like, you go, girl. Like if that, cool, no worries. Well, I was gen- I was very genuine when I said to them in that moment when they where I said, "Look, it's been such a it's been so nice to to not have to justify myself in mm-hmm. this room." 
that was fully genuine because I've been in so many drag dressing rooms. I've been in so many workplaces. Yeah. I've been in so many relationships where I felt like I've had to justify who I am 24 seven. Mm-hmm. Almost like my life is this exercise of people wanting to believe that I'm not lying about my identity. Mm-hmm. And so to walk into that room and everyone say, look, there are questionable things about you, but none of them are your gender. I was like, thank God, dig into the deeper issues. Dig into the fact that I'm a shady bitch. Don't talk to me about my pronouns. I love the best part was is they were like, she turned up as a bug. I know. They were like, they were like, yes, she may be non-binary, but she walked in as a cockroach. What the fuck is up with that? That's so good. I loved it. I thought it was brilliant. All right, let's get into this episode. Uh, so we start out by seeing that uh, Keita and Karen are quite upset with Anita leaving. You know, I guess you guys are becoming very much like a family at this point. You've gone through a lot. We have to remember this was filmed in the middle of a global pandemic. You guys are away from your family and your friends and your chosen family. And for some of you in a completely different country and you're going through this like crazy, of course, there's going to be a lot of emotions coming up. And then we kind of get this like Kiwis versus Aussies thing, which I'm surprised hasn't come out any sooner. Because was it kind of like that when you got there? Were you just like all mates and then that kind of like came out a little bit later of this like country versus country? Look, to be honest, I think it was the fact Anita left because all yeah. of us liked her so much, all yeah. of us Aussies, that we were like, oh, no worries. And then as soon as she was gone, we were like, <laughs> all right, down to business. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, to be honest, I, I think I think it, it, like you bring up a good point. We filmed it during the pandemic. We all left our homes. We had to quarantine. We had to go yeah. into this intense experience. So when people were sent home, it was intense because we realised how much everyone had given up to get mm-hmm. there. We realized mm-hmm. how much people had sacrificed yep. to be in that position. And so it sucked when anyone went home, you know? Exactly. Um, and, and, and so and so I think after every elimination for a second, we all just kind of sat there and we were like, huh, oh, you know, we had a oh, moment. <laughs> yeah. And then we started going, all right, mm. we'll put in some strategy. Who's left? Who's yeah, still- let's get down to business. Uh, so then we go on and we see, uh, you know, Maxie mentions that she'd like a cooking challenge, which is like just perfect brand for Maxi. Um, and yeah. we go on to the mini challenge, which is, of course, you know, um, the library because reading is what? Uh, reading is actually really hard. Um, <laughs> it's fundamental. <laughs> it's fundamental, but it's also really hard. Like I oh. am like, look, I, I did, I did my best. Yeah. My sense of humor is, is not for everyone. And I thought <laughs> I was hilarious. I thought my read to Karen was so funny. Yeah. I thought, I laughed for years about that afterwards. <laughs> On the plane home, I was still laughing about that. <laughs> and she was still confused. She was like, what does that even mean? What do I'm you like, mean? You're you like, mean? never mind, Dal. If I have to explain it, it's too complicated. <laughs> yeah, but how fun. How fun for an opportunity to actually be allowed to be a bitch. Then we find out that you need to create your own yeast spread. Now, for those who are listening across the world, that could be Vegemite. It could be Marmite. It could be Promite, wherever you are from. Promite? Yeah. (laughs) What did you just call me? (laughs) (laughs) I can't Uh, even remember what country that one comes from, but it's super popular. And there's very much an art to eating things like Vegemite. Are you familiar with like lots of butter, little bit of Vegemite? It spread very, very thin, very, yes. very thin over something bland, like <laughs> like a slice of bread yeah. or you know an avocado toast or some drag queens I know's personalities. You just <laughs> spread it over, 
spread it over. It gives a nice salty flavour. I was going to say, salty is like perfect. These are the names of the products. So we've got Karen with Discharge, Scarlet with Snatch, Art has Yeasty Yank Extractor, uh, Kida has Yeasty Nuts, Electra is uh, Topped by Busted, Maxi is Hornbag Yeast Concentrate, and yours is Piss. <laughs> Now, I, I kind of got where you were going with yours because for me, it was almost like a um, a nod to like detox when she did her perfume. I, I'm trying to think what it was called, but it was heroin. 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 And it, it was the same kind of thing. You were like, piss. And I was like, I get that. That's hilarious. But um, it, was it as much fun slash stressful as it looked doing the maxi challenge? Oh, see, see, I had so much fun. <laughs> I had so much fun and maybe it's just because I had my concentration face on. Yeah. But I had so much fun and like my, I was, I was there self-directing. I was there. I was there giving myself, giving myself camera movements. I said, I said, turn on the lights, give me a blast. Um, and I think they cut out most of me actually uh, being a control freak. I'm not sure if people have noticed watching the season. I am a control freak. No, uh, <laughs> really? you lie. Yeah, so um, so they cut out probably most of me being a control freak, um, but I had so much fun because it was right up my alley in terms of my sense of humor. Yeah. Like it really, it really hit the head of, of those. I grew up watching like The Goodies and Monty yes. Python yes. and like all of these classic comedic references where they would just do something so gross, yeah. but push it to that point where it was like, oh my god, they're really doing that. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to, I wanted to take it back to Divine and Lee Bowery and, yeah. and drag queens who just did gross shit because they're crossies. They're cross-dressers. Yeah. Do some gross <laughs> shit. I feel like you were such a great uh, representative of the Australian slogan, the Australian isms on the show. Did you have a favourite? Was there one that you were just like busting to like to like dish out on the show? I'm not sure if, I'm not sure if it made it in anywhere, but I kept saying frog in a sock. <laughs> no, I don't think I've heard frog in a sock. No, Frog in a Sock is like, oh, she's going off like a frog. Oh, in yeah, yeah. But I'm yeah, pretty yeah. sure I don't think it made the edit, but that she's is a good so one. Sad. I was saying it all the time when in confessionals when they were like, um, they're like, what do you think of someone's performance? I was like, well, she was going off like a frog in a sock. <laughs> I love that one because you just get an image of this little frog going. You so know, hilariously, um, Jojo Zaho said to me when I spoke to her in the first episode of this podcast that she was so glad they edited out the one saying that she kept saying, and that was let this pig. Oh, let's f- this pig. Yeah, that's another <laughs> good one. I mean, I'm glad Art said I'm not here to f- spiders. Let's yeah. f- this pig, um, frog in a sock. Oh, there's so many. And so I think many. It, I think it just all comes down to the fact that um that we just don't want to say how hot it is. So we inv- invent <laughs> other ways to say it's hot, <laughs> you know? Absolutely. Definitely. Oh. Or how, how good something is. How good something is. Yeah. yeah. Australian, Australian life is just extreme enough. That we yeah. have to invent crazy ways to say it. <laughs> we do, yeah. we do. Yeah. Um, now, let's talk about this moment because it would be, you know, uh, remiss of me not to mention it, but you do have a moment in the workroom where Scarlett does address doing blackface. And, you know, it's... Uh, there were two moments, obviously, one in the workroom and one where Rue mentioned it. And I want to... You were you were someone and you were praised for your, I guess... Um, you know, your intelligence and your take on these things, which I'm not surprised at. I know you are only in your twenties, but the thing is, is that 
you have had to digest a lot in your life. You know, you've had to um, digest more than probably most of us with your gender identity and, you know, who you are as a person. So I guess when you look at something like that, you can find the commonality as, you, you know, like how they how they meet each other. Um, talk me through that moment and, and the emotions that were running in that room when Scarlett did address that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's important to preface these conversations with the fact that I'm I'm not a person of colour. So my my opinion in these conversations is simply a commentary from mm-hmm. my 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 understanding. But at the end of the day, what I was trying to communicate, and I suppose what I was trying to say, is these conversations need to be had on a systematic scale. Yeah. They need to happen between between people of colour and they need to happen between people who commit Mm. racist acts or racist microaggressions, racism, Mm. whether it's intentional or unintentional, it's important to, I think, open up a conversation where it's not people of colour who have the burden to sit there and educate white people on what is right and what is wrong all the time. And I think it's so important for someone, you know, like me, who is not a person of colour, when something like this happens, to call it out, to say that it's not okay, to say that this is an opportunity for growth, it's an opportunity for learning and it's an opportunity for reparation Mm -hmm. and and to take that burden on and and to to speak it forward into the universe. I think everyone in that room understood understood what what was right and what was wrong in that moment. I think everyone in the room, they all had their own opinions, but at the end of the day, if Jojo or Coco were still there, uh, they they would be the perfect representatives to talk yep. about that kind of that kind of issue, and I wish I wish they had been. Yeah. Not that, not not that not that they're obligated to talk about it as a person of color, but I I think their perspective on TV as a voice for that community, especially Definitely. in a drag scene like Australia's, where where performers of color are so underrepresented. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? It, getting those perspectives and talking about positive action and and and, and equality and, and and giving voices to strong, powerful people of colour who use it to platform and, and uplift and create create important moments for them and their communities, I think is so important. Yeah. Um and so I think the moment I think the moment was necessary. I think it was important for it to be addressed. And I think that it is now a conversation for communities of colour around Australia to have. Because at the end of the day, it's their it's their opinion that matters the most. And the way that um Rue addressed it, you know, it was it was I mean, she said people would expect me to cancel you like right here and right now. But the thing is, I think the the problem with Scarlett is that she says she was uneducated. So she didn't know that what she was saying was wrong. And the thing is um, for Rue to take that step to say what we need is more education and what we, and exactly what you're saying, we need the voices to be lifted up and people to speak about it so that that excuse of not being educated is, is no longer, you know, something that people say, you know, they, they need to hear about it and they need to hear what has been going on and we need to be allies. We need to be, um, you know, voices that can add to, um, the people of color that, that will talk about it. And, um, I mean, it was, it was just a very interesting thing to see. And I think it will resonate with a lot of people across the world. I think we need to platform and highlight uh, voices of people of colour. And at the end of the day, this is Scarlett's responsibility now. It is her responsibility to educate, her mm. responsibility to engage with these communities that she's affected negatively. And the ball is 100% in her, her court. And yeah. I, I hope, I hope for everyone's sake that she does that. I completely agree with you. And I think, like you said, you know, it's the action that needs to happen now as opposed to just talking about it. It's actually 
the action. You know, it's the steps that you take forward to help those communities and to actually do stuff as opposed to just talking about it. Going on to uh, our looks on uh, on the runway. So the, our theme this week is finest Sheila in the bush, which I think is just it's just spot on. It's so oh, Australian yeah, yeah. and so, so Kiwi. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, now, Electra does give us uh, finally a, a fashion look. Um, I feel like she definitely stepped it up this week. Um, w- was there any kind of acknowledgement to that? You know, when you guys were getting ready, was she kind of like, "I've got it this week. I've learned," or was it just like a bit of a surprise as to what she was doing? Uh, no, I think I think she looked at herself and she deliberately made choices that put her in a position where she was able to look good. Yeah. And I, I mean, what you what you don't see in all the episodes and what what I feel like, and of course, it's going to be edited out because it doesn't make good reality TV. It's when Scarlett and, and Electra and I and, and Art and I and all, all these conversations would happen with, between us where we'd say, next time, just don't wear silver and gold jewellery. Next time, wear a different shoe. And yeah. we genuinely wanted to help her. Of course, I came off as a complete because to be honest, I did. I did you and just I dropped the first C bomb of this Sorry. podcast. I, no, it's fine. I love it. Believe me, I'm filthy. I'm disgusting. But um, I, I, I think I think it's I think it's important to acknowledge that she listened and she yes. stepped it up and she looked good this week. She looked really good and she told and, a story that was personal yeah. and the look told a narrative. Mm-hmm. At the end of the day, that's what we got to do on Drag Race. We got to tell stories that are personal to us, that matter to us. And it's not about just dressing up and looking like this or looking like that. It's about telling a story. And I'm so glad that she got it this week and the win was well-deserved. Well-deserved. Yes. And, and the thing, there's nothing better when you hear, other than when you hear Rue say, you're listening. And like for me at home, I'm like, oh, it's so good because it's showing growth. It's showing, you know, that you're developing your drag okay so if we move on we've got Keita in her colorful butterflies uh maxi in her picnic and hanging rock which i thought was genius um you know for those people that uh, are not familiar with that story it's a great uh film it was also made into a a modern tv show as well so if you haven't seen picnic and hanging rock make sure you check that out um also i think it was based on some books um we have uh, karen in her country fire association which was kind of giving me tina burner kind of vibes did you think that as well um, yeah, kind of. I think the funniest thing is, is that she was going to wear the hair that she wore for Chappelle Corby with that. Stop, look. stop. I <laughs> I lent her the little ginger bob. Did you? Yeah, because that's what I was originally going to wear for my sea sickening look, the little yes. ginger bob. But I lent that to her. And with the, with the hair, it crossed into the Tina Burner territory. Yeah. <laughs> None of us had seen season. None of us had seen season thirteen. Oh, of by course, the we oh my God. so you're life. responsible for that. <laughs> I'm responsible. I let the hair. I let the hair. Yeah. I think it was probably better than the uh, Chabelle Corgi, as Rue called her. Chabelle Corgi. Yeah, so good. Um, and then we have Art in her Cath Day Night outfit, which I'm so glad she wore because when I had her on this podcast, she said that that was her backup for Snatch Game. Um, I personally would have loved to have seen her do Snatch Game in Cath Day Night because. It was hilarious. Like, it was so funny to see. She had all the mannerisms down. Um, you know, I, I guess she wasn't telling jokes, so it was purely a visual thing. So, you know, maybe it might not have worked on Snatch Game, but it was great to see the uh, little parrot earrings and the koala sweater on the front. So, so good. Oh, the look was down. Yeah, and, and the day beforehand in the workroom, she was um, practising her little dancing, little oh, Irish yeah. dancing all around the workroom, out of drag. <laughs> and I just kept thinking, look, 
It's so good. He's just, it around. It's little like I was yeah. I was losing it. I was like anyone who, who who hasn't seen the show is probably not gonna get it, but they can watch it later on. Um yeah. we have Scarlett in her Priscilla look, which was quite good. I was very glad to see, you know, a nod to that costume. It's so iconic. And then yourself in your bushfires outfit. Now I mean, talk about tell a story. Uh, you just came out and it was just visually so pleasing. You gave us a reveal. You gave us a reveal of a, and then a reveal. Like you had a big reveal and a little reveal. Like I actually don't know if anyone's really done that before, if they'd done a, you know, a big and a small reveal in one costume. But it, it, how important was it for you to, to tell that story of, you know, of what you were wearing on that day? Well, growing up in Canberra, we uh, bush. I, I lived through the really horrific bushfires that happened there. They happened when I was growing up, and I always remember bushfires being such a threat growing up in Canberra. And you know, I remember my dad hosing down the roof and filling the bathtub yep. full of water, and all of these things, which I think a lot of Australians live with as part of their psyche. Yeah, we live with this fact that we live on this land, which is you know, it's stolen land. We don't know how to. We don't know what to do with it. We don't yep. know how to how to tame it, and yep. we live at this constant threat of fire destroying our, our homes and, and, yeah. and, our, and our livelihoods. And I, I suppose I wanted to tell a story about the regeneration of the bush, how like the Australian nature will always mm. win. It's always going to regenerate. It's always going to come back. And, and in a way, tell a story about myself. In a way, yeah. there are similarities between the cockroach Absolutely. and Absolutely. Because you know you can't kill you can't kill a cockroach, and the Australian bush and the way that plants have evolved to regrow mm-hmm. after a bushfire, and the amazing you know the amazing culture that a lot of uh, Indigenous Australians have, where they backburn deliberately in order yes. to to grow new, new plant life and to keep the bush healthy. I yep. think it's so important to represent the fact that the Australian natural world is so beautiful and so special, and we have to be so careful with it. And um, it's something that we don't have any control over. You know, yeah. and I wanted to showcase the beauty of that. I mean, the coat, come on. The coat oh, was a moment. It was just the like there was, was just so many beautiful things to look at. But also, too, I feel like I agree with what you're saying. I feel like every Australian and a lot of people around the world have that that image in our brains forever where you'll see, you know, a very charred um, area, but then you'll see something beautiful growing out of it. And it's almost like a bit of like relief, be it from a disaster or be it from, you know, like control backburning or whatever it is. And I do think that that, it, that tells your story beautifully you can you are showing people around the world that you can grow beautifully from something that maybe wasn't the best time or you know like it, it I almost feel like that little you know kind of sprig of flower essentially was you I mean it was etc you know coming out of the you would like rising like a beautiful little flower out of the the darkness I was burnt out but I didn't die I was crystallized <laughs> I was crystallized I was reborn <laughs> a little bit of flower <laughs> Um, yeah, look, I, I, I love the outfit. It told a really amazing story. I was really glad I got to wear it. It was one of those outfits that I was like, I don't get to f***ing wear this one. I'm so pissed. Um, so I'm so glad that I got to wear it. Um, and I think it turned out really nice. And I love my little red wig. My it little was red so cute. Wig. Yeah, I thought I it was gorge. Yeah, you guys know you guys um, go into the uh, the lip sync. So it's uh, it's just such an iconic Australian song like (laughs) I I often don't sing along when the lip syncs happen because I'm so focused on what's going on I could not help myself I was like and I was singing it from the start like you know not just the absolutely everybody bit you know if you're not familiar with Vanessa Amorosi get around her she is like an iconic Australian and I just like what a song for you to lip sync to you know on on Drag Race Uh, you got an absolute cracker right when they told me you'll be lip syncing to absolutely everybody, I said I do not care the outcome of yeah. this. 
because I will get like I perform that song. That's the song at the end of the night where they're like, play one more song. Yeah, and you're I'm, like, okay. Yeah, yeah, let's do it. Yeah. Um, and getting to perform it with Maxi as well, like potentially the campus bitch yeah. ever, like ever, like honestly, <laughs> it was it was a dream. And and I'll say this, I'll say this to everyone. I'll say this to everyone. I got sent home by a f-ing legend. Yeah. Maxi yeah. Shield won that lip sync, and she sent me home, and she is a legend. And I, if I see anyone saying anything about her, I will personally hunt you down and I'll shoot you bed. I'll Et cetera. Is coming for you if you yeah. say that she was robbed. How fun. Like getting to lip sync like that. And Maxie and I, before we went out, we said, let's just have fun with this. Yeah. Let's just have fun with this. And we did. We had so much fun. Yeah. And I think it comes through. It really does. And I that's what I've said to a lot of the girls each week in this podcast is that I just love, you can just see the sheer joy on your face when you lip sync because that's what Australian drag queens do. They perform, they put on a show. They're all about that. I mean, Maxi pulled a microphone from somewhere. I just was screaming because she was just like, (laughs) just swatting around the stage. She'd been carrying that microphone around the whole competition and she was like, if I have to lip sync, my knees aren't very good and I've got to still keep up with you girls. So she was carrying around. She had it in her bum bag in the Bogan Challenge. Did and she? she? was like, yeah, yeah. She had it in there and she was like, if I have to lip sync, I'm oh. pulling it out. So I knew it was coming. I knew It was so, so good. I just screamed. I was like, yeah. and now I think it's even better that she's been wandering around with this microphone tucked up in different places just in case she needs to whip it out. It was just perfect. Like I said, absolutely fantastic to watch your journey on this show. Thank you so much for joining me today. It's been an absolute pleasure as always. And I can't wait to see where the glamour bug turns up next. Oh, well, you know what? You know, as they say, you can't kill a cockroach. And even though I got voted <laughs> off reality TV, I might still live in your house. So <laughs> Wait, I'm coming, table? scuttling in. <laughs> Just making sure you went under my table. <laughs> well, you can never be, I can be in two places at once, you know. Uh, Plessy, thank you so much. All right. Thank you so much, Justin. Bye. Yes, welcome to the part of the podcast that we are completely unqualified to do, and that is judging drag queens on their makeup. Have you ever tried to cut a crease? Have you ever tried to block an eyebrow? Have I? I've tried, but I've not done it very successfully. But each week on the podcast, we do check out the drag queens makeup and looks, and we hand out the award for the best makeup called Beat of the Week. Let's get into it. Beat of the Week. Now, this week, the Beat of the Week award has to go to the one and only Electra. I mean, she really, really listened to what the judges were saying to her. She listened to what the other drag queens were telling her, as etc. said. She really did elevate her look this week. Um, her makeup looked fantastic. I loved what she did with her hair, painting it on, just thinking about how she can deliver something really different that makes you look at her and go, oh, wow, I I love what you've done. Like, it looks fantastic. So, Electra, congratulations. You did a fantastic job. Really, really loved the way that you did your makeup and your look this week. So, congratulations. You are our Beat of the Week. Yes, yes. Welcome, everyone. It is the part of the podcast where we get inspirational. Please, everyone, take a seat. Hold each other's hands. Now, every week we do look at the word of Rue because RuPaul is one of the most inspirational people that we know. She is dishing it out like candy on RuPaul's Drag Race and also in her books on the big screen, on the small screen. So every week we have a look at an inspirational saying that Mama Rue has given us. And this week's is, you've got to find your tribe. Now, I love that in particular because speaking to etc. etc. this week, we know how 
how important it is that you do need to find those people that you surround yourself with that are going to love you unconditionally and be there for you when you need them. We don't always all have the family, you know, that we, we grew up with. Sometimes we do need to find our new tribe. So get those people, keep them close, give them a hug and love them with your entire heart. Oh, look at me. I sound inspirational. Well, that is it for another episode. Thank you so much for joining me to recap the latest episode of the Stan Original Series, RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under. And a big thank you to Etc. Etc. for joining me. I love seeing their journey on our TV. Don't forget, you can subscribe to the podcast and follow me on social media at just underscore hill. And guys, my DMs are always open because I love to talk about this show and you will not shut me up. If you want to tell me what you're loving, what you're hating, what you think is going to happen next, because can we even pick it at this stage? This is getting so so good Uh, that is it for this week we're going to be here the same time same place next week and don't forget you can watch a new episode of the Stan original series RuPaul's Drag Race Down Under every Saturday only on Stan Stan